On the cover, our four heroes stand shoulder to shoulder on Founder's Bridge in front of a crackling vortex of chronal energy. Inside the storm, barely visible, looms a massive robot standing next to a sinister hooded figure wielding a wicked scythe. Wonder World Comics proudly presents The Midnighters, Volume Zero, Part Two, One Minute to Midnight. Prepare yourself, dear reader, for another gripping tale of adventure, drama, and self-discovery. This is Wonder World Comics. Midas. It is I, me. It is you. I shall roll the die. A two. A two. Awesome. That means it is you and Southpaw. Mm. And I have drawn... Put him in, coach. <laughs> Seriously, dude. Finally. <laughs> um, I have drawn the Nine of Spades, um, which is, yeah, your neighborhood, Midas. So that is great. So we're down by the water, um, down on the other side of the opera house. So not like quite uh, on the other side of the opera house from the boardwalk. Um kind of towards um, the cannery district. There's a lot of like warehouses uh, and abandoned docks, that sort of thing. Um, plenty of shady spaces for uh, villains to get up to no good. And it is uh, around here that we find our heroes. Yeah, what are you two doing? What are you up to, Midas? I guess we'll start there. Mm. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of making my way rooftop to rooftop. Just It's been, uh, it's been a busy, busy uh, either couple of days, I assume, uh, that I've just been uh, just wrecking some bad guys. So I'm just I'm just out checking out the a different part of town since I've just been so busy in the other parts of towns. Awesome. What, what time of day is it? Um, I don't know. What time of day is it? Nighttime. Nighttime. Nighttime? Yes. Awesome. Excellent. Um, cool. So, um, yeah, you are out and about and um. You are uh, walking along by the water, and you notice a like just an interesting like shape out of the corner of your eye. And you thought like it might have just been like a person or like a homeless guy or something, but mm. it looked like kind of a a large shape wearing like covered in like maybe like rags or really baggy clothing. You thought you could maybe they had like maybe they had a tentacle poking out of the front of their head. Who knows? Mm. You're not entirely sure. Is it my great squid adversary? But, yes, your squid senses are tingling. Mm. <laughs> I uh, I go behind the nearest dumpster and uh, get rid of suit so that uh, I'm not as conspicuous and maybe try to move a little closer nonchalantly. Awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, Southpaw, you are also in the area, um, you've been doing some investigating, you've been hearing a lot of, like, uh, weird stories about just, like, strange sightings, some weird stuff just happening down by the water on the other side of the opera house. So, yeah, and, uh, yeah, so the two of you kind of meet while you are investigating this area. Um, so, uh, yeah, you're up kind of, um, at street level looking down and there's kind of, uh, like some stairs leading down to the water and there's, uh, like a, a big culvert, like storm drain 
and um, inside you can see the figure like kind of disappearing into the darkness of the storm drain. Okay, so I think what so I think what happens is um, the weird figures just disappeared in the storm drain, and we both saw it, right? And and uh, Midas was just hopping along on rooftops, and came down and put suit away and is now and is then walking right is that yes a fair summary yes okay so i so i think um southpaw like knowing of and being like being like maybe one time acquainted or even just like seen from afar midas um he kind of uh clocked him jumping along the rooftops and thought okay here i'll follow him i'll maybe get some intel i'll try not to you know step on any toes or anything but i'm gonna try and you know to see if i can't you know me, me and me and waldo are just gonna go sniffing around you know stick awesome places and so that's how when he came down to street level um i just kind of sauntered up me like i was you know in costume <laughs> like oh hey how's it going man uh, or yeah uh, oh yeah uh you're uh you're uh Midas Thorn, right uh yeah and i'm currently trying to uh possibly track a, a very dangerous squid man so okay uh did you did you say squid man yeah, we kind of had a thing in the stock exchange where a guy kind of uh, broke a lot of stuff, and it, it was bad. But I thought he was arrested. Oh uh, well, I was just gonna say I, I I've seen a couple squid men just because I working at the Burger Shack on the boardwalk. They're, <laughs> they're underneath the boardwalk all the time. There's like at least six or seven of them that I usually see. So wait, there's there's multiple squid people. Oh yeah, for sure. It's just squid. I mean, just squid people. I tend to throw them if we just got leftover fries or whatever, you know. Like at the end of the day. Oh, so this this might just be where a homeless squid person lives. Or I mean, quite frankly, I don't know. I don't know where the squid people's like homes would be, but well, let's check it out. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Going in, going into this culvert. Yeah. Cautiously. Uh, cautiously. Okay. Uh, Waldo, you stay up here to look out for us. Thank you. We're, okay, we're in the culvert. As you uh, enter the culvert, and Midas, you kind of light up the darkness with some fire. Um, you see, uh, you see the the squid man looks up and is surprised, and he's crouching on the floor um, next to uh, two other figures. One of them is also. Uh, like a little, um, a little shorter, but uh, than Squidman, Mister Squid, uh, and also like wearing lots of like ratty clothing and like garbage bags and stuff to kind of cover themselves up, and uh, you can just see like two little eye stalks poking out from the the hood that they're uh, hiding themselves under, and then the other figure is a very tall. Very slender, um, large, kind of lamp-like eyes, um, spines going down like their back, and they have like long, thin, uh, webbed fingers, and kind of like scaly skin. 
And they're kind of like holding a bundle and all three of these creatures kind of like look up at you, the two of you in shock and fear. And uh, they're kind of crouched around some, uh, you know, like uh, some like rotting food and garbage that they've kind of collected to sustain themselves. Mm. Um, do, uh, do we roll for initiative or? I, what do you do? <laughs> uh, so I think, you know, Sam is scared out of his wits, but he can't show that. So he's going to, um, he freezes, but he uh, grabs his baseball bat as well. No, yeah, yeah, he, he kind of like, I guess when the, when that light flashes on and they look, he's just super shocked, takes a step back, but kind of is catching himself to not flinch too hard and goes for the baseball bat, but he's not going to act right away because he doesn't know what their intentions are. They're, right now, it looks like they're just like, they're just eating garbage. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, they're just yeah trying to find something to eat. Yeah, they're just they're just trying to have something to eat. So uh, yeah, he yeah. he was scared like scared shitless at the sight of like you know like the light flashing on them and them all looking these weird creatures that he's never seen before. But so that's yeah. What is Midas doing? Midas isn't very scared because he's seen worse, <laughs> and um, and uh, then then he he just kind of asked some. Hey, do you live here? <laughs> the uh, the tall, thin figure and kind of the uh, the shorter the the two new figures kind of retreat a little bit behind Mister Squid, um, and he uh, looks up at you, um, kind of with like a determined look in his eyes, and uh, he speaks, but he speaks like a strange language you've never heard before. Mm. Um, yeah, sounds like very kind of like bubbly. Hmm. Um, I think just then Waldo comes running down the open culvert and kind of gives a little friendly bark in response. Cool. Uh, let's go ahead and roll. Midas, we are in your home turf, so that's plus two. So you will roll three dice and take the highest result. Mm, a five. Excellent. Um, so the two of you rise to the occasion and manage to save the day. Uh, what great moment of heroism do you achieve? Um, so yeah, uh, Waldo um, kind of gives a little kind of happy bark and kind of walks up to him. Um, Mr. Squid is very terrified. Um, but the, the bundle that the kind of taller, thinner creature is holding kind of makes a little cry. And you can see it looks like a little baby fish person and a uh, little kind of webbed fingers kind of reach out and uh, pat Waldo on the nose and uh, the small babby fish kind of babbles. Yeah, they uh, the fish people are still looking at the two of you very cautiously, but they've kind of uh, calmed down a little bit. So you have found um, this group of they look like sort of like refugees living in this refuse in this culvert. Um what do you what do you do for these people? Um, can we communicate with them other than wait? Have we established that? Can we like talk to them? Can um, they... they they do not speak English. Um, they uh, yeah, they have their own native language beneath the surface. All um, right, well, so but they are intelligent, and you can kind of like gesticulate yeah, and... for sure. 
Um, yeah. So I think what, uh, you know, seeing that they have this little babby and that, you know, everything's kind of copacetic, but they are living in a culvert. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to like throw shade or be presumptuous. You know, maybe they love the culvert. Sam is going to go and just without being asked or prompted, he's just going to go to the this like 24 hour fish market that isn't that far away since they're like right on the ocean and just yeah. like buy a kind of some nice, not not like super fancy, but some solid seafood and uh, and bring it to him. I, I asked I asked Southpaw, do you think. Do you think maybe seafood's like a bad idea? Like, is that like cannibalism or? <laughs> I, that's a fair point, but I did not buy squid. So I feel like, you know, just the, just the mussels and the clams and the halibut is probably, is probably okay. Right. Don't, don't want to offend them by just, you know, keeping, keeping some maybe distant cousins dead on their doorstep. I mean, my, my friend, I, I do think that squid eat, you know, other uh, other fish eat other fish. That's mm-hmm. uh, this is known. You've got a fair point, <laughs> but 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 also you're right. I mean, I I just don't know. Maybe maybe we should get. So actually, we're st- we're having this conversation at the fish market, or like, you know, like <laughs> we're like standing there in front of those like big cases of ice, and there's like those guys are throwing fish past mm-hmm. our faces and i'm like so uh maybe maybe we'll go with shrimp then shrimp shrimp's right shrimp's good right shrimp seems safe everything eats shrimp everything eats shrimp that is a truism in <laughs> kentucky <laughs> the great coastal plains of kentucky <laughs> well, we, we call them crawdads there but you know it's pretty much the same thing everyone eats them everyone eats shrimp and we also um, have a Bubba Gump shrimp. I mean, it's not third world, <laughs> for Christ's sake. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah. So uh, he he does buy shrimp because he figures that's, you know, that those are like the insects of the sea. So mm-hmm. still might be insulting. But he, at this point, he's just going to do it and just hope that his intent carries through and that that five will uh, carry us through. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um and they are like so appreciative at this gesture. They have like known nothing but you know uh, fear and like hatred and violence from all of the humans they have encountered so far. Um, and so the yeah typical so, um, yeah. So we get this great little scene of the two of you sitting down with uh, these little fish people and um, Midas uh, starting a little fire and cooking up some shrimp and uh, just enjoying this little life and grilled. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> some nice grilled shrimp um yeah and like, maybe midas can uh drop by the library and grab like some blankets and stuff and some some extra clothes from the lost and found that might fit a large squid person mm, yes. um <laughs> this uh page ends with a uh, just pulled back kind of nice long shot of the uh the beach and the culvert with the campfire and we can see the little babby fish person is out of their their swaddling and is rubbing Waldo's belly. So, <laughs> they, uh, five of you enjoy your meal. Awesome, awesome. And we are back to Southpaw. Oh boy. Okay. And so I roll something. Okay, five is. That's a me. 
<laughs> Whoa, that's weird. Midas, the the world's busiest team. Well, it, it's interesting though because this last time, uh, KT and Moonflower did a double mm-hmm, mm-hmm. little, you know, mini awesome. mini series, and now me and uh, Midas are doing a mini series. Awesome! I love it's that. What the kids awesome. keep buying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, um, draw, draw me card. I have drawn the five of diamonds. This is back in Midtown because it is a diamond. Um, and it is a five, which means that, uh, oh, this is Lethal Laser is back. Um, so he has escaped from uh, jail where he was being held awaiting trial. Let's have this inside one of the big casinos in Midtown because that's really cool. Um so, yeah, on the, the casino floor, lots of just slot machines, as far as the eye can see, uh, you know, uh, roulette wheels spinning, blackjack tables, all of that going on. And Lethal Laser 2 is there blasting open slot machines and raking in piles of cash, uh, holding, you know, sticking people up. Uh, he's got, you know, the some of the employees there trying to, like, get the vault open. Um, He's just making a mess of the place. Uh, Lasering lethally. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Southpaw. What are you and your buddy Midas doing there? So, let's call this uh, the next day after your uh, little Thanksgiving feast. (laughs) Southpaw uh, has these two, you know, tickets, backstage passes to go see Anthem tonight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so he was going to go, you know, he, he, he invited. Midas because he he maybe would have invited Moonflower but he would he would like he kind of felt like it would be weird and he didn't want to like step on any toes again and also he's like a little intimidated by Moonflower but you know doesn't want to like piss her off either and he yeah. also is like I don't know he's like I, I don't know man so he doesn't he, even he, know that Anthem is Moonflower's celebrity crush <laughs> yeah so yeah so i mean go figure right but that's partly because he's like yeah you know to because of his own she doesn't advertise that's right right yeah and it's like yeah again it's like he he wants to bring midas along and or i mean he brings midas along and as they're coming down broadway i think they see the commotion oh yeah and it's like let's jump into action Awesome. So, yeah, the two of you spring through the front doors uh, to see Lethal Laser um, walking down behind a row of people who are all knelt on the floor with their hands over their heads. He's saying, uh, now everybody just needs to stay calm and we all get a walk away from this with our heads. Just nobody make any sudden moves. Nobody try and be a hero. Everybody stay calm. Keep your cool. And, uh, all y'all have a great story when you get home tonight. I summon suit. <laughs> what does it look like when you summon suit? Um, it's sort of venom-esque where it's like almost like oozes out and over the skin and stuff and sort of just like morphs over Midas. And it is it is a little bit more large and intimidating. It's not like, you know, mm-hmm. super strong or skinny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Midas is not a not a hefty boy. Yeah, he's not yoked. No, no. But suit is suit. However, is very <laughs> yoked. 
Excellent. And then the horns come out and the the, the eyes light with flame as well as the wings. Amazing. Amazing. And uh, what is Southpaw looking like? Um, so I think uh, it's fair to say, so we're kind of like in the atrium, you know, like the not even like quite in, but like we're kind of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. making our way. And there's this big open kind of cool court, you know, just like it's a fancy casino, but it has this like open area. And then like, you know, I don't know. We're like on the on the periphery of the scene, right? Yes, exactly. And so we burst in. Lethal laser is telling everyone to, you know, everyone not to be a hero. And uh, when Midas summons his suit, I'm assuming that kind of garners his attention for a second. Oh, yeah. Okay. And at that juncture, uh, Southpaw is going to take a baseball off his bandolier and take like four or five running steps to you know, close the distance between Mm -hmm. him and lethal laser, but you know, not more than a second or two and Mm -hmm. just chuck this baseball straight at his face. Amazing. All right. Let's uh, go ahead and have you roll. We are in midtown, which matches, uh, doesn't match your suit of hearts, but it does match the color of the suit. Um, So you get a plus one from that. And then also Anthem is in the building. And she is not happy that her concert venue is getting uh, robbed right now. So she is also going to help you. So she'll give you another plus one. So go ahead and roll three dice and take the highest. Sweet. Okay, I got a five. Excellent. Excellent. Um, Awesome. So the two of you rise to the occasion and save the day. What is the great moment of heroism that you achieve? So you charge forward and just let rip oh. with this fastball and it clocks lethal laser right in the jaw and i think that's all the time that that midas thorn needs to you know put the kibosh on the situation once more you know mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a similar fashion that he can always do with his awesome powers yeah yeah so he's not just a little bit off kilter uh midas what are you what are you gonna do um, I how how far away am I? Um, I don't know, maybe like ten, fifteen feet. I don't know. How oh, far away are you? That that is launching distance. Excellent. So Excellent. Launch myself at him, and while he's off kilter, use that time to take my demonic claws and rip this laser backpack from his back, and uh, uh, rip the the cords that attach the the gun to the the backpack awesome oh his one weakness (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so you slam into lethal laser and uh slam him into the brick wall and his suit starts like sparking his backpack is like firing off bolts of electricity uh he's trying to blast you with his lasers you are just like throwing down with him and uh you manage to like rip the backpack off of him and uh, he stumbles away and turns around and um, just like pulls out a smaller laser pistol and goes to just like execute one of the hostages when there's just a concussive blast of sound and every single thing made of glass in the building immediately shatters as Anthem steps into the room and just floors lethal laser with her incredible stage presence 
Um, yeah, what do you guys what do you guys do? Uh, um he's uh he's um he's not gonna fight anymore he's still conscious though i i i power down the suit a little bit i the wing the wings go away the uh the the face part stays on but the rest of it goes away excellent um so south uh kind of goes up to um uh, anthem and says like uh man, it's trying to think here. Um Waldo is like Im- already emotional support dogging the this the staff, you know, mm-hmm, like the mm-hmm. the servers and the like clerks and stuff who are all being terrorized just now. And Southpaw is again kind of dumbstruck at Anthem being there, but and he so he kind of gets off like a a sheepish wave of his hand and said uh and he says uh looks like twice in one week anthem says uh oh my god south pod so good to see you and that must mean and she looks around and goes waldo and just like <laughs> runs over to waldo gives him uh, a big hug as he's yeah um licking the faces of uh some of the hostages um and uh, she says, uh, wow, you know, I um, didn't, honestly, I didn't really expect you to take me up on the offer to go crime fighting, but uh, I'm glad you did. This was fun. I didn't either. I've got to admit it. But uh, as long as you, we're here, you might as well meet my friend uh, Midas Thorne, uh, who, without whose help, I think this might have gone much worse. So I was very glad he was here as well. And Actually, we were on our way to the Majestic next door to see you, and it uh, just so you know, just so happens. So, uh, yeah, go fit. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you, Mister Thorne. Um, I'm glad you were here to uh, help save the day. Are you two uh, on a team together? I mean, I don't know officially how the whole team thing works. I've been hearing some weird news about having to register, and I'm not sure if I do have to register because I'm like just a guy but uh, <laughs> but also uh you know uh, me and Midas have it, done some some good work i guess what you could say excellent well i'm uh i'm proud of you too um and uh you should be proud of the work you did here you guys are you guys are real heroes now uh i need to go get to uh wardrobe and makeup but i guess i will see you in a couple of hours yeah, you got you got it. Yep, you, you got you 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 got it. my my claws my claws pop out a little bit as I, I give a wave. <laughs> now we have Moonflower, and I have drawn the Joker. <laughs> what? Dun, dun, oh dear! What are the odds? Okay, so which means our villain has arrived on scene. So how this works is we're going to go around and uh, we're all going to answer uh, a couple of questions um, and discover a little bit more about this villain before they make their appearance. Let's see. So there is a question for each of you that is depends on uh, what your strong suit is. Um, so let's start with Moonflower. Your question is, what is the team most proud of and how does the villain use it to tear you down? 
This is hard. We haven't really teamed yet. Um, and it could be just like something that you were, uh, could apply to you personally as well. Um, I think the one thing that sort of seems true across the board is that like there's a lot of gumption. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, kind of jump into actionness. Yeah, like all of these heroes are really like gearing up to like they want to get out there and they want to make a name for themselves. Um, I mean, and for various reasons, for Midas, it's more like you know, trying to put a little more good karma into the world after some bad things. And yeah, lot, lots of something to prove and um, eager, eager to go get it. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so how does the villain use that uh, to tear you guys down? So maybe they maybe see you as like selfish or self-serving. Yeah, I think self-serving and experience definitely like that's yeah yeah uh-huh yeah they uh -huh. don't have anything to prove like a little well and a little mm -hmm. just like so eager to get into things that it's like you're leaping before you look exactly okay team. awesome awesome perfect um kt what weakness are you afraid will be discovered and how does the villain use it i think a very fair uh, assessment would be the discovery that Whilst we are a team of heroes, only half of us are super. Mm, awesome. So the villain is going to definitely lean into their this, their superpowers and try and overwhelm you with their power. What it sounds like. Indeed. Excellent. I love it. Um, Midas, what part of the team scares you? And how is the villain the worst version of that? Um... I I would say not necessarily knowing the full extent of people's knowledge or abilities, uh, because that could also be something that uh, would be very scary to go up against. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the fear of the unknown. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Unknown powers. Cool. And um, Southpaw. What is the team most ashamed of, and how does the villain rub it in your face? Um, this is interesting. Uh, well, I think we're all insecure about our our status in some kind of way, right? Like, there's this mm -hmm. whole thing cropping up of, do you have an official team? Are you going to be um, going to uh, step in line? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Are we gonna are we gonna step in line? Are we gonna like have the backing of Farsec, or are are we a bunch of castoffs? You know, like do we really belong? So there's a little bit of like worry about imposter syndrome. I, I mean, I don't think like KT or maybe even Midas feel that, but also like their status is uncertain, and they've been kind of. Well, yeah, I don't know, be, because Langley has kind of got this negative image of Moonflower, and I think also KT and and Midas. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think we've all we've all kind of been associated by this sequence of events, and like there's some notoriety building, but 
that you know we're also we were tout we were tr- you know trotted out as like the reason for this like austere policy you know mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um there's a there's a kind of uh, an antagonism to that awesome that i think is it, it would stick in all of our craws in some way or another, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Say that, uh, we are the reason for the season of this very bland soup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then uh, some of the questions uh, for me are what part of the heroes most scares you and how is the villain the worst version of that? The city is most scared that the heroes are, um, you know, young and they don't know what they're doing. And uh, there is a lot of potential for unintended consequences and chaos um, just because they you guys don't know what you're doing yet. You're uh, just uh, out doing your thing. And uh, so the villain is like the worst version of that because they are doing uh, they're like taking the law into their own hands and doing what the city fears that heroes will do in like just take over use that might makes right what power do you crave and how are you going to seize it uh so the this villain oh man okay i think i figured out what villain this is um so uh this villain is named clockwork and they are a time traveler from the distant future where a version of the midnighters have become like tyrannical dictators and are ruling the world and he's gone back in time to stop that from ever happening and take out the team before it starts so what insurmountable odds will the hero have to overcome to defeat you uh clockwork knows how this story ends he like uh has seen what he's seen your futures he knows like what decisions you'll make just like his incredible knowledge is what you will have to uh, overcome. Uh, and then what hidden weakness does he have that the hero that he hopes the heroes will never find? Uh, that is that his um, his place in the time stream is very tenuous. And what kind of solidifies that in what solidifies him in the time stream is his scythe is a, like a future tech device. In addition to being a weapon that kind of anchors him in time. So, where do we want this to take place? Yeah, where should we have our big throwdown? On the bridge. On the bridge? Ooh, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, because uh, me and, and Midas were on Broadway close to the mm-hmm. bridge. Mm-hmm. And I believe uh, that also Moonflower and KT were on the bridge in that follow-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, that, that all checks out. So, yeah, so, um, awesome. So now I get to introduce myself in all my terrible glory. So it is late at night. Uh, it's been a wild week of bank robberies and squid people and chaos and espionage abound. But it's, uh, it's been quiet this evening. The sky is clear, stars are out, and then there is a bright flash of lightning. And this swirling sphere of blue energy appears in the center of the bridge. And it starts spinning faster and faster and growing brighter and brighter as it's expanding. Sending cars flying. People start panicking and screaming. And this definitely gets the attention of Moonflower. And you know that something big is going down. Something bigger than just you can handle. 
Well, I suspect being a person who likes to gather information and be connected, I have acquired phone numbers for those who have phones. Does KT have a phone? That is a very interesting question. KT phone home. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm thinking at this point, KT is just kind of hanging around like an unwanted rash. <laughs> cool. So two phones and KT is in the area. I, I think um, at this point, Moonflower probably has noticed that KT has not yet technically touched the ground. I, I think this is uh, this is Moonflower's Nick Fury moment where she's been kind of scoping out this potential team ever since she did not get accepted onto the Young Vindicators. Um, I think she's kind of had this idea in her head to start her own team and has kind of been scoping out uh, some potential people and this seems like a as good a time as any for a debut. Awesome. What what message do uh, Midas and Southpaw receive? Um, probably something pretty pretty basic, just like Founders Bridge. Time to go. Awesome. Go time. Midas receives it on his Nokia. <laughs> and uh, where is he with his Nokia when he receives it? Uh, is this is this just after our, our last comic panel? Um, this is a little later. We'll say, yeah, this is after the concert. This is late at night. After the show, I think. Yeah, we're coming out of the show. Yeah, we're mm -hmm. coming out of the show. I was worried for a sec we were going to miss the show because of this bullshit. <laughs> 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 Oof, we just saw it. Yeah, okay. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, you guys you guys just made it. What does the what does the scene look like of the two of you receiving this message, this call to action? Uh, I, I look at Southpaw and I say, time to go? Hell yeah. Come on, Waldo. Without really saying anything, I uh, I just don suit and I grab Waldo in one arm and Southpaw in the other, and I just launch into the air for flight. Awesome. So you arrive on the scene. Moonflower's already there. KT is in the area. And this storm of bright blue energy is just getting brighter and brighter until finally there's this uh, climactic flash and this pulse of uh, shockwave radiates out. And a gigantic, 30-foot-tall, giant robot is standing there. Mm. Looks like it's made from, like, clockwork technology, sort of like Victorian era, almost like a little steampunky, but mixed with wild future tech that you don't really recognize or understand. And it's got this weird, like, blue chrono energy flashing all around it. And on top of it is this cloaked figure with a long gray beard wielding a scythe. He says in a cold voice, Midnighters, the hour of your reckoning is at hand. I have traveled from the distant future to prevent a terrifying reality from ever existing. Know that I do not take this lightly. I take no pleasure in ending your lives, but your selfish actions, your foolishness, lead to the destruction of everyone you know and love. Ha, ha, hold on. Sorry. Ha, who are you? I am Clockwork, 
and I will save my future from being destroyed by you. Mid-sentence, I just throw a fireball at his face. Excellent. Um, <laughs> as the fireball flies towards him, uh, it slows down as if time itself is slowing as it gets close to him, and he swats it away with his scythe. Mm. And the giant clock bot goes charging forward, and the battle begins in earnest. So, heroes, this is your moment. Uh, remember the people that you've saved and the city that you fought for? What is, the, what is the, the Avengers shot of the team standing as a unified front and the camera, you know, circles around and gets a great angle of everyone? Suit, suit pops out some extra spikes and a little bit of extra flame because this seems like a, a big boy fight. Exactly. Yeah, um, Sam has his baseball bat in one hand and a, you know a ball ready to throw in the other, and Waldo's growling, teeth bared. Moonflower's spinning a knife, assessing. Oh. KT is going to reach out and decrease the density of that bridge beneath the time robot's feet to the point where it's going to sink straight through it. Amazing. How far through the bridge is this thing sinking? Um... It's it's going to be like trying to step on a cloud. Like, the whole thing is going to go through. Amazing. So this uh, robot takes a giant step forward and just tumbles through the pavement beneath them. It just starts sinking like it's made of water. And it reaches out at some of the cables and railings and is, like, grabbing onto things, trying to steady itself and pull itself back to its feet. And it is, like, crushing cars with its massive hands. Meanwhile, Clockwork is charging towards the group, towards Southpaw and Moonflower and Midas with his scythe. I'm going to suggest KT keeps keeping the Clockbot busy while the three of us go for Clockwork himself. I I take this guy after Moonflower's advice, and I just put forth a constant unibeam of fire from my giant clawed hands. Excellent. What is Southpaw doing? Where is clockwork he has leapt from the top of the clock bot and is charging towards you deflecting gouts of flame and he's holding his scythe yes southpaw is going to like take a few casual steps like on just like a little bit of a zig a little bit of a zag getting up to speed but running at clockwork as clockwork is running at him and when they get close Southpaw is going to like uh, yeah, just tries to take him out with this kind of a slide tackle and he's got his bat in his hand. So he's going to try and like grapple with the scythe somehow on his way under. Yeah. So clockwork goes charging forwards and Southpaw runs to meet him and baseball bat meets future tech scythe as you slide underneath him. Moonflower, Southpaw and clockwork are dueling in front of you. KT is struggling to keep this clock bot halfway through the bridge, and uh, Midas is shooting fire. What are you doing? I'm going to be trying to get some higher ground, so sort of keeping back away from both Midas and Southpaw, maybe trying to get up on some of the support pins of the bridge and like get just out of Clockwork's vision enough that he might forget I'm there and give me an opportunity to sneak up on him. Yeah, from your vantage point up high, looking down, you can kind of see from your angle through the plates of this clockwork robot 
and you can see like a spinning glowing power core in the heart of its chest and it like glows does like a big flash of light every time this thing like lunges out with its arms and tries to like pull itself out of the bridge that it is sinking through kt how's how are things going with the robot while the uh while the robot has issues there with that bridge kt flies uh, down towards it alters their density to the point where they can phase into that robot uh, probably up in the shoulder area and then uh, increase their density by a factor of like I don't know 14 quintillion <laughs> <laughs> by a lot um, yeah ju- just enough so that it, uh, the robot's own momentum uh, against this now immovable object just starts tearing itself in twain. Yeah, it just absolutely shreds itself on you as you become this literally unmovable object. And uh, its entire left arm and shoulder get torn away from its torso. And there's the sparks and shearing metal. And it's just kind of like dangling by a couple of cables now. And uh, the reactor at its core is now clearly visible in this giant gaping hole in its chest. Midas, you are above Southpaw, who is doing battle with Clockwork. Um, Due to the fact that Southpaw is now also directly below me, I stop with the uh, constant stream of hellfire um, for fairly obvious reasons. (laughs) And I... uh, I drop down to get into to a uh, little bit of melee because that seems like the best option um, at the time. Southpaw, so Midas, your buddy Midas drops down right next to you, and the two of you are throwing down with Clockwork. How's this going? I think what happens is Southpaw, you know, he runs right at him, tries to like take a swing at the scythe and or take his legs out and doesn't quite do either but they they do kind of get tangled up um he starts to get up and i think uh southpaw gets like thwacked over the back of the head with the butt of the scythe and he kind of rolls over to look up at clockwork over him and that is when a big scythe blow is about to come down on Mm -hmm. southpaw's face when from the side diving in jaws onto the scythe comes waldo yes so clockwork is surprisingly strong for an older fellow and he has the scythe raised above you ready to just about lop your head off when out of nowhere comes your golden savior waldo moonflower clockwork is momentarily distracted there's a giant hole in the robot and you are overlooking all of it, and you've got an opportunity. What are you doing? I would like to get behind Clockwork and try to stab him in the back with a poison knife. What kind of poison's on your knife? Mm, a not lethal variety. Excellent, excellent. Um, like a pretty potent one. Awesome, enough to knock him on his ass. Yeah, that's the idea. It's just a mild paralytic that she's going to liberally apply to his spinal cord. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, describe this scene of you dropping down out of the darkness. Um, so I think 
the effort's all going to be into getting into position and then just dropping from the right angle that, you know, she can kind of touch and roll pretty gracefully and silently behind him quickly enough that he does not see her coming. Southpaw. So, uh, yeah, Waldo goes charging over you into the scythe, saving you from this blow. And uh, Moonflower, you drop in and ram a knife into the back of Clockwork, ejecting him with this poison. And his, uh, his eyes start to go cloudy and uh, his jaw kind of sets and he's like, gets this determined look in his eyes. No, I will save her. And then he collapses and falls to the ground. KT, this clockbot is still crutching everything in its vicinity as it is uh, sliding further and further through this through this bridge. Uh, its reactor core is exposed. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to grab that reactor core as tight as I can, and. Uh... So very completely not ripping off the Iron Man scene from the end of the first Avengers movie. <laughs> Going to uh, fly straight up and absorb as much of the uh, electromagnetic uh, output that this thing is putting out. So this reactor starts glowing brighter and flashing more and more unstable as uh, arcs of chrono energy are blasting out, uh, striking cars and cables and uh, the bridge is shaking beneath your feet. And KT, you plunge into the heart of the machine and rip out this this reactor core. And the the rest of you watch as uh, KT carries it high into the sky and there is a bright blinding flash of light, Uh, just a huge burst over the city. And then there is darkness. And as your eyes kind of adjust to the bright light, you see a faintly glowing figure descending back down towards you. KT, what do you, do you say anything as you return? No. (laughs) (laughs) Also. I I should probably float on over and uh, make sure that everyone's okay. I I think this is about where the clock strikes midnight, right? Yeah. Oh my God. You're totally right. Yes. No, it's absolutely crazy that clockwork showed up and, (laughs) Like clockwork arrived and like created us. Thus, you know, it's it's yeah, it's it's quite good. Sorry. Well, he does have impeccable timing. That is his yeah, whole thing. Oh, he's got timing for sure. So our our comic ends with KT descending from the heavens as the clock tower strikes midnight. Wonder World Comics is an actual play podcast of Masks: A New Generation by Brendan Conway. This issue was GM'd by Michael Dunham, who can be found on Twitter at GalvanicMan. Southpaw is played by Charlie Smiley, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at BigSkyCharlie. Moonflower is played by Kyra Nelson, who can be found on Twitter at Kyra M. Nelson. Graviton is played by Sawyer A. The Righteous Flame is played by Theodore Hampton, who can be found on his website at TheoHamptonPhoto.com. Wonderworld Comics is produced and edited by Michael Dunham. The music is from Dvorak Symphony No. 9. Do you have questions or comments? You can get a hold of us on Twitter at WWComicsPodcast or send us an email at WWComicsPodcast at gmail.com.